Welcome to the best of the run home with Joel and Fletch. Social media at Joel Fletch SEN. Anytime you like, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. So welcome back to this team, this trio of Woogie and Sats and Rat. How'd they go, Brian? I thought they were really good. There was a story there that a lot of listeners uh, wanted to hear the end of it, but unfortunately, we cut Rat off. There's been some stunning debuts in the last uh, week or so. Scott Sattler on Let It Ride was outstanding. Uh, our man, Matty Rogers, outstanding last week debuting. And I'm pleased to say the boys alongside Woogie are on the line from Sports Day. G'day, boys. Hey, boys. How, How are you? Is? Appointment Radio, where our man, the Wallabies coach, will be uh, chatting to you. Man. Is that right, boys? Yeah. So what happens is what, what Rat does, Rat's got this ability to just drop as many names as humanly possible <laughs> in, in a show, in a two-hour show. Yeah. So um, last week we were talking about a couple of things, and he just throws it. We, we spoke about... Kelly Slater, and he said, oh, yeah, I played golf with him a few weeks ago. Oh, Took mm. his money as well. What? What are you talking about? So then he texts on his phone, and he said, oh, I've got Eddie Jones come on next week as well. Oh, so just like that, <laughs> bing, bang. Oh, I'm just trying to impress, you know, the locals. Yeah. It, it seems to be working. Yeah. Who we got coming on? <laughs> Uh, we we got uh, we got Slater too. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's Michael one. Slater. But... <laughs> 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 it's our only yeah. issue. What's, What's happening, happening, boys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not much. Just it's getting over much. a great week of footy, really. Oh, you be you be up and you be up and about, you Queenslanders. Oh, mate, Four we're pretty wins. happy. Four wins. Mm. I mean, I, I was just uh, just wondering if anybody had that multi. I wonder what it paid. Yeah. Well, I would have. I, I would have had the four wins. Uh, I had three of the Queenslanders, Maddie, but I was talked out of the fourth one uh, by this bloke here. Oh, I've got to say, uh, the Dolphins' recruitment has been some of the poorest <laughs> recruitment I've seen in rugby league. Yeah, really, really bad recruitment. Their so, halves are a concern. I mean, they've got great experienced forwards. They're going to keep them in the battle defensively, but where their points are going to come from, I don't know. A lot of their players. I mean, if if you were looking to if you were looking for positions and to sign players, there wouldn't be many players from the Redcliffe Dolphins that you'd look at to try and take from them to to bring to your club. Mm. Yeah, Twenty eight points guys. later, uh, yeah, yeah. There'll, be, there'll be plenty of coaches looking at Isaiah Katoa right now. Yeah. I reckon they'd love him. First pass the Hammersay was forward anyway. So. <laughs> are you di- are you dirty um, because of the Firebirds scenario? What about the Firebirds? Well, whatever the Jets. whatever your rank, yeah, whatever, your, whatever your rank team is going to be. <laughs> are you dirty? Uh, are you dirty that they got in? No, well, it was dirty at the time. Yeah, not dirty now. Have, have no. any of you blokes watched the first episode of that the Redcliffe Dolphins? Watched it today. Have you watched it today? Yep. Did Did you Did you see the recruitment philosophy around what they were doing, Sats? Yeah. What did you think of it? Standard. I thought it was very good. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're smart in Standard. what they're doing. Do tell. <laughs> Do tell. What, what, what is it, Rat? Have you not watched it? No, no. no, oh, no, no I've been, I've been busy watching other shit. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, no, get off your phone. Five hours get out of your bathroom. <laughs> Have you not watched it yet? What <laughs> is it? Um, no, it's just, just the making of the dolphins, really. And it goes back 18 months, um, you know, back to, you know, they've got a camera in their face pretty much all the way and, just, you know, they sit down with Sully and Kurt Richards and Benny and just sort of go over there. They're, just, they, they're, they're basically filming the roundtable discussion around their recruitment. Yeah. And it's, um, it's quite smart. He's, and Benny's logic behind who he signs and why, what he's trying to get out of that player, it just gives you a bit of an open look into it. it um, yeah, it was pretty oh, – I thought it was good. <laughs> All right, Rat, you don't know much about this, but um, – okay. 
I don't either because I've lost it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well done. No, you I did amateur. No, 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 no. Here it is. Here we go. Here we go. So, get this into you, right? A surgeon in the Gold Coast will be investigated by the country's top health officials uh, in, in Australia. Sorry, after he erroneous, erroneous, erroneously, <laughs> erroneously removed a man's penis what? after he wrongly diagnosed him with a tumour. The 30-year-old surgeon has since been accused of causing serious injury to the unnamed patient from Helensvale, which is in the Gold Coast region. The unnamed patient had his penis surgically removed at the Helensvale St. Francis of Assisi Hospital (laughs) (laughs) on on November last year. The ill-fated procedure occurred after the urologist incorrectly diagnosed the patient understood to be a man aged in his 30s one month before the disastrous incident occurred. The amputation, however, went down without a hitch. So at least they got that right. <laughs> That's right. So, Rat, there's some weird stuff that goes on up in up in uh, Hell well, I'm you, hearing. It, well, if you spend a bit of time on the Gold Coast, there's, there's plenty of things being added on, added on mm-hmm. and taken away from people. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, look, it's the first I've heard of that, but I'll, I'll steer clear of doctors. I, I've heard of that. Zone. I had an operation with a great Neil Halpin. Mm. I had my groin done, mm. uh, cut either side, and mm. I woke up with something else. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. What? Yeah. What was it, Brian? Uh, it's hard to it's hard to say this without getting in trouble. I've got a, uh, I've got a similar story to this. Burnt. Yeah. Let's say yeah. burning. Yes, I, I've got a, a, a burning a big a burning spot in a very tender spot on got, my exactly really yep yep and I was like, is this a G up? Did they yeah. do this on purpose? That's what I think because oh, I was I'm sweet. sure they so did. So where's the where was the burning? And there was spot? iodine, Matthew or betadine. Yeah, it was on a probably the most tender piece of skin on your body. Yeah, yeah. that hangs where, off your body. Whereabouts? Like what part of it? Well, in the groin region, yeah. If you could imagine, <laughs> like on the tip, yeah. Or, yeah. Top, no, oh, no, just yeah. under, top hat, just under. Yeah, yeah, okay. under think of the top hat. Think you're going to Ascot races, <laughs> <laughs> and no, you pick the like, this, this is a proper G up. Like no. I had, I had a, my conjoint tendon repaired. Is this groin. with Neil? Did Neil do it? No. Man, I think he might have. To be yeah, honest, yeah, he would have. Sure, he was. Sick I think, for it. I think it was. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. No, but it was legit. I, know, I, I, I can't put a finger on exactly who the surgeon was, but I'll never forget that, just waking up. Mm. And just, like, my groin feeling not too bad, but then this other burning <laughs> sensation <laughs> being really uncomfortable yeah. and thinking this has to have been a G up. Like, they could not have not seen what they've just left there. Oh, wow. <laughs> left the better Dean mm. on that spot. <laughs> Wasn't good man. Fun. He's a good man, Neil. He's oh, very good. Fella. Yeah. Mm. Have you got any A grades? I've got a couple of A grades. Can I, can I throw the A grades in? Yeah. Yeah. First one is um, last Friday, myself, Woogie, and Co- Daddy Vass, Cohen, went and played golf. And um, I think everyone's an A grade when you wear a golf pair of shoes and a golf glove and then over 18 holes shoot 121 off the yeah. stick. <laughs> yes, I agree with That's that. That's an A grade. You had golf shoes on. That is that, an A grade, Woogie. I did not have golf shoes on. You're a liar. It was uh, Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and played at my local course, which is in Great Nick, and tries to blame the Greens. Mm. <laughs> it's horrible. Oh. 121. It's the rap? biggest score I've ever seen. 
Yeah. I've got a cat story that'll blow your mind. Yeah. But my, my, we probably don't have time for it today. But yeah, we do. Anyway, on. go on. Go on. No, get, give hey, us hey, before you go, is it better than your ass-tearing story? <laughs> yeah, it's better. <laughs> it's better than that. Well, it's he's got an eight centimetre tear in his blurter. Tell us about the cat, Rat. Well, well, I had this cat, and it was a beautiful cat. His name was Bodie, and it was this Burmese kitten. And, mate, it was like a dog. It would come to the beach with us and everything, sit with us. And it would come in the car with us. That's weird. It just—it was a beautiful cat, and the kids loved it. And um, I—I'm—we're I, flying to Queensland this one day, and I've got my my brother was staying at my house, and and our landlord sort of came to check on the house. Um, and as we're as I'm walking into the airport, they're, they're calling out, "Oh, Matt Rogers, you know Chloe Maxwell, you have, you need to board your flight." And like we hadn't even gone through the gate yet, so like through the like the, the security. security yet. So I'm like freaking out thinking, we've got to hurry, we've got to hurry. Again. So, sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I get this phone call and it's my landlord. So I put him on speaker. I'm like, oh, no, I didn't put him on speaker. He, 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 he's, he's just talking into my ear and I'm talking back to him. And my daughter, who's like, you know, seven at the time, was in front of me. And she's like, oh, he's like, oh, I've just run over your cat. And I'm like, you run over the cat and like, I'm repeating it back to him. And my daughter's standing right in front of me, crowded airport. We're in a rush and she starts bawling her eyes out, looking at me. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. And, I'm, and then he goes, oh, I think it's dead. And I'm like, it's dead. <laughs> and then she just erupts. They cut you off. <laughs> Sorry, Rat. So good. Sorry, so Rat. Cut you off. Sorry. Oh, sorry, bro. We've, We've got to go, honestly. We've got to go. We've got to go. That's horrible. Good to chat, boys. <laughs> hey, uh, Rat, pick it up next week, please, bro. <laughs> if, you don't have, if you don't have a nine centimetre tear in your other blurter next week, let's not speak. <laughs> Welcome back to the best of the run home with Joel and Fletch. Now, this was a great chat, Brian, a very thorough, in-depth, honest, just a good, open-hearted chat. Yeah, like we did like to have a little bit of fun here, but having uh, Liam on and be- him being so open, it was a great listen. So There's a big fight weekend coming up. We've got uh, young Rocky Jarvis, Fletch, and then the big one, Zoo versus Harrison. Zoo versus Harrison. So we had a chat to Hall of Famer, yep. Jeffrey Fennick, and boss, CEO of No Limit Boxing, Georgie Rose. Great listen. And just listen for the uh, Jeff Fennick story about the stone pigeons. It's a beauty. <laughs> And I'm pleased to say that this fellow here would probably have, well, he may do, the impact he can have on people listening who may be going through the same for how brave he's been to share his story. Liam Knight's on the line. G'day, Liam. Hey, boys. How are we? Congratulations, mate. Um, We are in a world where on social media people like to sell us a perfect life, a perfect world. It's not the case. And, mate, you doing what you've done and being so humble, open and honest about it, I think is massive for a lot of people out there in the community. Uh, take us through your journey. Uh, thanks, mate. It's been a bit of a weird week or two since that article hit for me internally. Um, since my little journey, mm. uh, from the start or from the after the rehab, what are where are we going? Well, well, let's just go this week. Like you know, this has been quite a private matter, and then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, it comes to the surface and. I, I, I love this. I, I love when people just make things human because we are human. It doesn't matter what anyone does. And you've climbed the heights of playing National Rugby League and 
uh, and being terrific at it. Um, but you've come out openly about this, and I know it'll have a great impact on people, but um, take us through the decision to go public with it. Yeah, I think um, I sort of thought about it when I was in rehab a bit. Like, uh, you know, I was struggling so much. And a couple of weeks in, I started feeling better. Just, you know, actually talking, talking to strangers, you know, people talking around in a circle pretty much, like opening up about some things and tears. And, you know, just random people just trying to do their best, trying to get better and, and um, change their lives. And that's sort of like, you know, I sort of, I've got a bit of a, if I can get out of this, you know, if I can sort my life out, sort my shit out, mm-hmm. I, hopefully maybe one day I can just share a bit of my story and, and make it okay for someone else to talk to someone instead of, you know, internalizing and spiraling like I did. I, I don't know. It was like a bit of a light bulb. Maybe if I can help one person, it'll make me feel better and maybe they can help someone and we can just just drop the stigma around, um, you know, men are, too, men are tough. We don't talk about our feelings. So, Nighty, with um, alcoholism, I've had a, a few friends of mine going going into uh, Alcohols Anonymous and they were just binge drinkers. So they didn't drink every day. No. So when you go yeah. in, go in there, is that is that considered you're you're an, you've got alcoholism even if you're not drinking every day? Like what what do they say about binge drinking? Yeah, that's what they say. Like it's more the uncontrollable urge to continue to con- like to drink until you black out, or you know if you're you know you obviously see a mate that's that guy that you can't really have one, which is pretty like that's me. You know I, I don't want to have one. It's like I'm having a hundred. I'm gonna have. Why would I have a beer? What's yeah. the point of that? I want to get like disgraceful, or I want yeah. to be. I would sit, sit still, you know. So that's probably me. Like I, was, I don't drink every day. That was my biggest thing around it. Like, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm sweet. You know? yeah. I don't drink every day. That's that's for them. That's not me. And then, mm. you know, like, and and it's also like the next day and the, the head noise around it. And I don't know. It just all like it all made sense. And then, hey Liam, and feel free not to share this if you don't wish to. But clearly, for yourself to go through the rehab and the Alcoholics Anonymous. There's a moment where, you know, you've obviously been through this battle time and time again, but for whatever reason, this time around, something happened or something mm. you've made to felt you know, feel a certain way and you thought, okay, no, I, I need to take action now. Can you, if you're open to, would you like to take us through that particular moment? Mm, yeah, uh, that's a hard one to talk about, but mm. I, you know, I'll, I'll never ever consider like committing suicide but there was a point in my life at that time where I was like I just don't want to do it anymore you know it was like I never planned I wasn't planning it or anything I just like it was thoughts coming up about I'm just sick of it and I'm Mm. sick of life that's where I was at for a little bit yeah and then those thoughts came through and I went whoa whoa that's not me I need I need help you know and that's when I then things were going in getting I started putting things in place with a lot of help and a lot of uh, amazing people behind the scenes Hey, Liam, I know that was going to be an uncomfortable answer and I'm so glad you shared that because I reckon there's a stack of people mm. uh, who would listen to the program who may have been down the same path or may feel like they're going through the same thing. So I really appreciate you sharing that. No, that's right, mate. So, Nighty, how are you feeling now? Obviously, you were a lot, you're a lot clearer, obviously, for, for, not, for not drinking and stuff, but what have you found out about yourself? Um... Yeah, look, I don't. I start, I was when I finished rehab, so it's been what it's almost five months now for me, not a drop. Mm. My life's clean. Like I don't have a worry about what I've done on the weekend. Everything I'm, I've done, I know what I've done. You know, yeah. I walk around. I'm not hiding anything from anyone, which is a nice feeling. 
I speak mm. openly when I want to speak, when I feel like it, uh, figured it out, like, you know, mainly just the, the coping mechanisms and the triggers for me, I'm still figuring that out, like why I was doing it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But now I've just like other interests in life. You know, I just, I think the biggest problem for me was football was 95% of my life and I didn't want anything else in part of it because I just felt like I took away from what it was for me, which was like, you know, special thing, special world I lived in and I didn't want anything else because I didn't want, like I didn't need it. Yeah. And then when football stopped, you know, and then I had nothing else, I was like, what am I doing in life? Like, without this, I'm not, like, I didn't feel like I was nothing, you know, no one, nothing was going on. Um, so that's what, like, I'm sorry all the time now, I wake up in the mornings and I look for other things I want to do, you know, just sort of like trying to build my life around it. Hey, Liam, uh, the board has lit up. We are chatting to Liam Knight from the Rabbitohs, uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now, Liam, uh, when we go to the NRL website, it says uh, the knee is the issue and the casualty ward indefinite. Uh, how's it all coming along for you? I feel awesome, hey, to be yeah. honest, mate. Uh, I'm probably six, seven weeks away, hopefully six, five or six, but probably five to eight, somewhere in the middle there, hopefully. Uh, I feel really good, feel fit, mate. Um, training's, training's picking up. I'm just sort of in the middle of my little preseason, my personal preseason now, so I should be humming along nicely. Big fights coming up, Brian. I know you've met Tony Harrison. Well, the CEO of No Limit Boxing, Georgie Rose, has got a massive week in front of him, and the great man Georgie joins us on the line. G'day, George. Hey, boys. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good on you, George. Hey, George, is this the biggest fight that you've ever uh, promoted? Look, I, you know what? I think it's up there. You know, we've mm. had, we have had some big ones. We've had the we've had the super super fight out at um, Bankwest Stadium, Combank Stadium now, um, and then Tim's last fight at Kudos Bank Arena was a big one, but this one um, for the WBO interim world title, I think this one's got to be the biggest one we've had, and we tried to go tried to go all out and make it a, a nice big week for fight week. What about this? So this is Zoo versus Harrison. Now the winner faces Charlo. This is later in the year for the opportunity for four major belts in the super welterweight division. So the opportunity here for the winner, Timmy Zoo, Tony Harrison. Georgie Rose, it's massive, isn't it? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And and you know what? It's a little bit disappointing too because that was the fight that Tim was scheduled to have. And I just I just think Tim's in a zone right now where he would have, you know, he would absolutely give it to Charlo had he have got his opportunity on January 28th. But unfortunately that fell through and um, we'll have to wait for another chance to do it. And, and Tim's got to get through Tony Harrison on Sunday um, to be able to get that opportunity, but it's it's massive. Like in in the t- in the terms of global boxing, to be the undisputed world champion in any division, it's um it's near impossible to achieve. So the fact that Tim has the opportunity to achieve that is um man, it's 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 unbelievable. It's massive for Australian sport and massive for for us. Hey Georgie, you can see the the fight not of course uh, Zoo versus Harrison on main event, but there's been comparisons with Zab Judah uh, fighting his father Kostya who won in 2001, but Harrison says this about young Timmy. He says he's 100 levels under his father. Ain't a patch on his father, says uh, Tony Harrison. Thoughts? Look, I, I think it's great. The more stuff he says like that, I know, I know Tim Zoo. I know what he's like. Stuff like that burns him. And when it comes to the, comes to the, the crunch and, and gets in the ring, um, I know that he'll remember every one of them moments. So... The punch that he was going to throw at about 70% just to get through, it's coming through at 120% now, and he's looking to break ribs. So it's um, it's great motivation for Tim, but I also do think that it's a great comparison because 
I don't think you have to be a, a, a massive boxing fan to be able to remember the, the Zab Judah um, Kostya Zhu fight. You know, I, I was a I was a pup back then, but I um I remember that fight. It's my most memorable one of of Kostya Zhu. So I'm I'm hoping that all these comments lead towards a beautiful, memorable win for Tim Zhu on Sunday. I'll tell you who's here to speak to the, the fight of Brock Jarvis, the great Jeff Fenix on the line. Hello, mate. Hey guys, um, George is just talking about that fight with with Zab Judah. I happen to be blessed to be there, and um, that afternoon, that afternoon of the fight, which was crazy, Zab Judah turns up to Mike Tyson's house, like you know, two and a half hours before he has to be at the stadium. I'm thinking, wow, this guy is crazy, very overconfident. I put a thousand dollars on the first three rounds, and I won thirty-three thousand, mate. Oh, yeah. So yeah, thirty-three. I got thirty-three to one for the knockout and the. So, yeah, it was, uh, but yeah, it was very overconfident. Look, and, um, I'm, I'm not saying that um, Harrison's overconfident, but I would listen. I mean, you know, Costa could fight, but uh, Tim's, uh, Tim's definitely, uh, Tim's definitely, you know, he's, he's catching up to everybody that, that, that's made in Australia, but he's doing a great job. Hey, Jeff, can you tell the story, or can you confirm the story about when you were training Mike Tyson and you were in a room next door and you asked him what was going and all the. The pigeons were falling in, into that room next door. Is that is that a fair dig of story? Well, that's not exactly like that. Fletcher. What, what happened was I'm sitting down talking to him, and in his garage where his pigeons were, he smokes weed all day, and it's just closed garage. So he's smoking oh, yeah. weed in there, maybe not to be around. And then he's telling me how these pigeons, these tumblers, are hitting the ground. And I'm thinking, excuse me, but I can't even damn walk out of this room. I'm stone sitting there without smoking. And these pigeons are freaking stone, Mike. I said, yeah, yeah they were hitting the ground, Fletch. They, they were tumbling and didn't know where to stop. And a pigeon knows where to stop unless they're stoned. So, yeah, that's a true story. How many, how, how many pigeons did he have? Oh no, he's got yeah. He, he had lots and lots of pigeons, but he was and it wasn't like it was every couple of days. One, he he would he would say, Jeff, I think a hawk was chasing one of them and hit the ground. And Mike, let me tell you, mate, the amount of weed you're smoking here, mate, those 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 pigeons can't see nothing. They can't even see the hawk. You know. Welcome back to the best of the run home with Joel and Fletch, and we had the whole band back. For this typical Wednesday of Brian, what mm. do we do? Well, we went over to New Zealand, over the Dutch, speaking mm. to Beeve and Kirst. Kirsty. Yep. Now married. She's taken, mm. taken off the market. Yep. So we had a bit of a chat to her, and we also had a chat to Beaver about what happens if rugby league didn't exist. So we caught up with Brad Takarangi. Now, this is a bloke who uh, you're familiar with in the National Rugby League, but he wants to get back. And here's the chat with Brad, the Beaver and Kirsty. Let's uh, chat with mates. Pocket change mobile plans with mate. Oh, they're there. The oh, we guys. Oh, uh, you know what? I reckon they snuck in early. Yeah. This is what married life does to you, Brian. You it's sneak. Just, well, you well sneak. we missed you guys last week. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because the cricket was on, wasn't it? Were mm. you back cursed last week? Yes, I've been back for, for a fortnight now. Oh, wow. Tell us about yeah. it. How'd yeah. it go? How was the wedding? It was the greatest week of my life. Uh, Beaver did himself absolutely no favours. Remember how we talked about <laughs> someone will embarrass themselves? Yeah, yeah. Um, he did that all night long. And yeah. Good work, uh, Sunday morning he had to apologise for several things. He thought, maybe, yes. should I get in a fight last night? Brian, what oh. price did I take for that to happen? I think you took a dollar ten, and that was over, my friend. <laughs> that was free money. Uh, what happened? Uh, what, what are you? Are, are you sort of exaggerating a bit there, Kirst? Oh, babe, am I exaggerating? 
I think you're putting a little bit of sugar on this. <laughs> a tiny bit of sugar, a tiny bit of sugar. To be fair, everyone was in a very similar state, but I remember sending Beaver a picture a couple of days after, and he, and he had these glasses on, and he said, glasses? I never wore, the, wore those. Oh, this is beautiful. I love it. This well was done. at 6 o'clock. Well done, Beaver. I mean, on weddings, it's... Play on. Weddings are one of the best parties to go yeah. to, I reckon. You know my go is I always go up to the partners, the parents that I don't know. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, I'm just hanging yes, out with them. Yes. Did you do that, B? honourable people. Yep. Obviously, yeah. Well, I think, uh, yeah, that was later in the piece. Actually, I don't think I met your mum until the next day, which was probably been, was probably a good thing, Kirst. <laughs> yeah, it would have been, B. I know, oh, I actually been. met her at the seafood table. When we were having a bit of power, actually. Oh, I did, did you? I do remember that. Did you? I do remember the food. Hey. Yeah, it was a great affair. We um we had a surprise for everyone. Have you guys ever done a silent disco? No. I, I haven't, no, but I've seen them. I, I'm aware of them. And, like, what do you think from the outside when you look at a silent disco? Do you just think, well, that's just weird? Uh, no, because everyone's Be enjoying Be careful, themselves. Brian. No, Be very no, no, careful. no. You, you can never... say what you think. No, I, I, don't, I don't have any comment. I, I would do it. I'd love to do it. Hey, Beef, we were discussing a hypothetical earlier. We were saying, imagine league doesn't exist. Would Australia, would the Wallabies be world champs? So all the countries, New Zealand, Every, France, yeah. all of those yeah. great league players, uh, doesn't, England, doesn't, yeah. they doesn't, all go. They grew up playing rugby. Yeah. yeah, league doesn't exist. Never, We never heard of it. Then wouldn't have all those greats playing for the All Blacks too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be a hell of a lot. More in the mix than they are right now, dare I say it. Yeah. I would say well, could, could, I would say England. the back line? I would say England. Thoughts, but you reckon? Yeah. I don't think they've I don't think they've got that many superstars in that league team that would transfer well. Okay, though. straight away, if we if we had a draft, like okay, Beaver versus yep. Brian. Beaver yeah. versus Brian, you can take five players Ooh. from league right Oof. now. Right oh. now. Okay, Beaver, we'll start with you. Joey Manu. Joey Manu. Brian. Turbo. Tommy Turbo. Mm. Tommy Turbo. Beaver. Oh, jeez, now you've got me almost panicking. Uh, oh, no, Jerome Hughes. Jerome Hughes. Well, where does he play, yep. Beaver? Does he play like as a standoff, it, it, does he? It'd be 10. It'd be 10. 10. Yep. Munster. Yep. Playing where, Brian? 10. 10. Jesus. Where does Brandon Smith Because I'm, I'm only allowed to pick Kiwis, aren't I? Yep. Yeah, you're, you're, you're an all black. Oh, take Ponga. Oh, sorry. No, he's not. He's, a, he's an Australian. It's yes. Kiwi. They stole him. Yeah, but he yeah. wants to play for the All Blacks too. We'll get yeah. him on the technicality. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll give you that. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take uh, old Glamour Puss uh, Murray. Yeah. Cameron Murray. Yeah, I, I know there's some hype there. He I wants to go see. over, doesn't he? Big Nelson. Big Nelson's my next. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would take. So, how far back? Can I take Gordon? <laughs> no, 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 no. They're going to play now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they're playing. They're playing now. What about Nathan Cleary? So, so nah. Eddie said Nathan Cleary would nah, kill it. I don't want Nathan. What do you think, Beef? Do you think Cleary would kill it? <laughs> if grew up doing it, yep. Yep. No. Okay. No, he said now. Okay. So I don't want him now. Okay. Who do you want? I want, I need a big bopper. I need, I need like a, a breakaway. You don't want Val? Val Dust? No. I need a forward. I, I'd take, um, I would take Paddy, Paddy Carrigan. Paddy Carrigan. Yeah. And, Ooh, any more beef? He'd be great, Lucy. Uh, I'd take Big Jared. Okay, that's your final one. Where's he, where's he playing, yeah. Beef? Six on the side of the scrum. He'll okay. trim down a bit for me, but okay. he'll be good at six. And I've got one more? Yep. I would take, um, oh, you know who I have? I'd have uh, 
he's a goer. Might not translate, but I'd take Reese Robson. Oh, Reese Robson. Yeah. Like, what position would he play? No, no, Latrell. He play, would he play like a halfback, would he? Or? I want Reese just running. Okay, okay. twist in the tail here, boys and girls. If you could pinch one of those players you each mentioned, which of, which of Beavers would you pinch, Brian? Nelson. Spicy. Nelson. Big Nelson. Not Joey. No, nah, Big Nelson. Big Nelson. Yeah. Who would you pinch, Beav? I'd probably go Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're playing... We're playing Nelson at fullback, right? Is that where I put him? <laughs> yeah, of course. I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. It's long been established. We want him back playing National Rugby League. Uh, he's playing for the Dapdo Canaries. This man had led the Cook Islands over there in the World Cup. Not many people can lead their nation, Brian, in a World Cup. Well, this man has. Uh, former Rooster, of course. Gold Coast Titan as well. Six seasons with the Parramatta Eels. Two years in the Super League for Hull KR. We're talking about Brad Tuckerangi, and he's on the line. G'day, Brad. Hello, boys. How are you? Oh, Tack is coming in loud and clear. Yeah. What storm, brother? So, are you? Um, you're back in, back in Oz. Yeah, so back in uh, Sydney now. Uh, I've been back for about two or three months. Uh, it's just great to be back in this beautiful sunny weather because <laughs> um, it's currently snowing over in Hull, so it's uh, good to be home. So, did you enjoy? Did the family enjoy it over there? Bro, we loved it. Yeah, um, we, had a, we had a real good crew um, in Hull beautiful hull wasn't just hull KR, but the whole have sea boys as well so we had heaps of ex-para boys over there um lots of kids that um lots of family so we got along really well so didn't miss family too much until uh we got home and realized how much the kids miss their cousins and that sort mm. of stuff so no no it was a great experience got to travel the world kids got to see different countries so uh very grateful for the opportunity hey taggers how was the world cup i know you you're the skipper of um cook island side how, how was the experience playing against, I suppose, you know, all those players? And how, what about your teammates? Bro, we had a, um, we had a good little crew. Um, we could have had a – if you look at all the Kukons across the NRL, there's a lot of boys that could qualify for us. Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't the way. Um, we had a great young crew, a couple of old heads in there as well. Big Napsky was um, coming late, so yeah. he brought a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> he brought a lot of energy into the camp later on. But we had heaps of fun, man. We get a. It's always a pleasure to represent our little small country, mm. um, Cook Islands. You know, we've only got about twenty-five thousand that live on the islands. So, to go out there, we did it. We did well against Wales. Got a good win there. But um, we sort of blew the next game against PNG. Then, obviously against Tonga, we got a bit of a hiding. But it was a great experience, especially for a lot of the young boys to get out there and um, represent our country. Hey, hey uh, Tax um, Dunny's on the text line, and quite often our agenda is set by the listener. And he says, mate, can you, he said, can you please ask Tax the story of getting sacked by Ricky? Is that, is that a story? Oh, nah, this, that's a classic, that one. Oh, well, it wasn't that much of a classic. I was only, um, <laughs> I was 16 years old and um, playing in the under, uh, it was SG Ball back then. So SG Ball and uh, Sticky came in at halftime and just ripped me a whole new one. I never met him before, yeah. um, never even spoke to him before, but... He came in and ripped me to pieces. I ended up going out, scoring a hat-trick, um, like in the second half, but that wasn't enough. He had enough, and I was gone <laughs> after that. So, no, we've had a, that was a great little story that I've shared before. and um, But that's all. It probably helped me to get me to myself, my career that I've had. Um, just probably made me drive myself a bit harder and try to prove all the doubt is wrong. Uh, I'll tell you what has, yep. has been great for the game, and I don't mind saying this at all. 
the Polynesian influence in rugby league. So I'll give you, Brad, I'll give you an example. So we won the jersey flag at the Dragons in 1996. This was the under-19s. Is that a Bruce? No, no. The reason <laughs> I'm saying this is there was not one Polynesian player in the grand final. No. Not, wow. Not one Polynesian player in the grand final. Either. Either team. Manly and the Dragons, wow. under-19s, not one Polynesian player. Because Manly, Manly had oh, uh, yeah. usually a big Yeah, that was um, that was 1996. Okay. Not one, right? Oh, and no. now, correct me if I'm – well, as Sats would say, uh, Brad, correct me if I'm right, um, <laughs> there's about 60% of the NRL Pacifica players now. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's um, touching 60% now, which is – it's huge. It's massive and – so I'd imagine that even the juniors will probably be even higher. Yeah. I'm not too sure. I have to check those stats. But I just think it's um, it's a great time to be of Pacific Island descent. Um, you, you look at what Samoa did in the last World Cup that just gone, what Tonga have done in the years before that. Um, I think it's just it's unreal. And what I've actually been um, trying to work on in the background also is I've heard Sonny Bill talk about, you know, trying to, break the stigma of seeing Polynesians in the media or, you know, high-paying high jobs like a head coach or CEOs and that sort of stuff. And mm. I think it would be so good to see another Polynesian um, in the in the media at mm. least. I think it's massive how you guys are even doing, like you guys are pronouncing the, the names a lot better as well. Like I think it's because the players are starting to dish that information to the um, commentators. But I think it's just... I think it would be awesome to for young Polynesians coming through to see um, a bloke of Polynesian Maori descent in the um, media. Or you see like always like Frank Pritchard, Willie Talao, they're starting to mm. go through the ranks in coaching. So I think it's just um, it's a step forward for us because normally, like as Polynesians growing up, we're sort of taught to be humble mm. and sort of mind our own business and that sort of stuff. But with so many kids coming through, I think if they see... Um, no Polynesians that's been there and done it in the media or doing coaching, um, that sort of stuff. It just gives them something to aim for later on in life. And no, nah, this is something I'm pretty um, passionate on is trying to help our youth and hopefully we can find something in the near future um, to help them with that. Welcome back to the best of the run home with Joel and Fletch. Uh, the great Andrew Webster from the Sydney Morning Herald and Morning Glory, Brian, he was on fire. Yeah, he was on fire and it was in- interesting to know that He's been writing Wayne Bennett's book for about two and a bit years, and he's left one chapter available. Guess what that chapter is? Oh, yeah. yeah fins fins up. up. He's a major part of Morning Glory. He's a major, major part. His name is Andrew Webster, and he's on the line. G'day, Webby. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Oh, sorry. Oh. Good afternoon. How are you, boys? Big, uh, big week, I'd imagine, then. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, I'm I, just so pumped for Morning Glory tomorrow morning. That's... That's what I'm pumped for, boys. Well, your boss have just your boss has just brushed us. No offense to you. Yeah. I mean, we we love speaking to you, Webby. Well, but do you know what's what's happened to uh, Matthew? No, not a thing. No, no idea. Okay. I seem to be his reserve when he brushes you guys. You come, you come to me. <laughs> well, just never forget. Like, I don't know what that's called. I don't know what that's called. But when I when I was growing up, it was called sloppy seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah, either yeah. you Still, or it was either you or Josh Mashud, but yeah. uh, we couldn't get hold of Josh. So. <laughs> is Josh around? Is he? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's what's the story being this today? What are the fans talking about? Is it Blake Ferguson? Are they going yes. in that direction? At yes, all? they definitely. They definitely. What's your what's uh, your two bobs, Webby? Look, I think it's completely reasonable. I mean, 
Blake only earned about eight million dollars in his thirteen <laughs> seasons of NRL. Like it's completely understandable that the the game should play should pay for his his uh, to straighten out his nose. He's beautiful. Yeah. No. You know, you know, uh, Whitey made a point. Whitey made a point, like to to launch it on social media. No, not not a good look. Not a good look. And and you know what? I think if you went quietly, emailed the powers that be, I'm sure, like do it do it without causing all this ruckus. I'm sure they would just. But if it's in the contract, yeah, I know. you cooked. Like, what, it's because he left. It's because it's because he left. Went he went to rugby and then he went to the UK. And I think this is part of like the CBA uh, uh, negotiations over the last few months. They're trying to bring in more support, i.e. more money, for players to get surgeries done in retirement. The, pro- the, the impasse between the NRL and the RLPA is that the RLPA want to control all the money. The, the NRL is saying, let's have subcommittees and um, both of us decide who gets the cash. I, yeah, you're right. The way that he went about it, I thought, was silly. I think the thing that I took out of it, guys, was all the f- current players that came out in support of him and just bashed up the league for not looking after him. It just says to me how disconnected yep. those players are, those modern-day players are from the realities of life, where we've got to pay for our own health insurance and, and get things done. Get You know, I just... It, it sort of stuns me how... Um, some of the current players are saying that the league's dogging him because they're not going to fix his nose. Well, you, come on. Yeah, you can understand maybe, though, why that rule or amendment or whatever the case may be is in the contract because, like, take Blake Ferguson and use another example. Say that I'm playing in the National Rugby League. Yep. And, and this is exactly why it would be there. And then all of a sudden I've got a niggling knee injury and I go over and play two or three years in England and then oh. come back and then say to the NRL, oh, my knee's cooked for this, this, and this. They'd be saying, well, it wasn't all on our watch. So how do we know? With him, it's yes. different because you could clearly see. You know, he, he's playing right wing and his, left, his nose was on the left wing. Yeah. You know, like you, you could see that. But it, it, if that's in the contract, it, it's really hard to go over, Brian. It is. But I, I'm with but- the players now, and I think they've got to get in. Not, not, a, not forever, maybe two or three years after you retire. Going to another sport, definitely no. Okay. That's what he's done. No, I know. That's what that's what I'm saying. But I'm yeah. just talking about what the players are after now. But it is a, it is a violent, violent sport. And Webby, I know you were saying, yes. you know, you you have to pay for your own, but you're not getting running in it. And a lot of it's a training as well. Yeah, that's the worst. Part. Aren't I? How well, aren't I? Well, I did see you hitting the pad. You got to work on your jab. Um, I do. I think it can't be uh, f- for. It's got to be a definite. Number of years, so right at three years after you retire, yeah, bang, within three I, years. I 100% agree. Yeah. I do. Or I think people underestimate. Like, like, like that game last Thursday night, boys. I covered out at uh, at Combank, and afterwards we went into the rooms afterwards, and here's Cameron Munster with a bone sticking out of his ring finger on his right hand. Mm. So you can't tell me that they don't get paid. That they don't deserve the money that they get. I mean, like everyone, I, I think it's a one of the best pieces of advice I got as a young journo was from Roy Masters, who pulled me aside after we had a few beers one night and said, mate, just always be conscious that players go through so much in terms of their, not just mentally, but what they put their body through every single week, playing injured every single week. And I don't think, you know, either journos or or um, or the fans understand that. That said, Blake Ferguson did go to Japanese rugby on a, on a deal worth $1.5 million. If he hadn't been busted with cocaine possession mm. and had that contract torn up, are we even having this discussion? 
No, that's true. So if he managed his money better, and if he had have um, kept his nose clean for want of a better term, then we're not having this discussion at all. So yeah, fair yeah, point. I just find it a bit rich to be asking for money out of the out of the NRL to fix his nose when he's made plenty of money and you know hasn't particularly looked after it that well. Now, Webby, I know you are writing Wayne's book. Um, I am. Will that include last Sunday's victory? Will there be anything about it's that? The last chapter. The Dolphins oh, are the last chapter. Wow. Awesome. So come on. Awesome. Come on, long neck. Yeah. Get into the finals. <laughs> I did like your article last week because I envisioned when you said the Roosters, our powers of B, had a very solemn meeting at the Carla. I could just I could see they what. Did. Oh, my God, goodness. I would, I would love to have been a fly <laughs> on that wall. I'd spoken to, I spoke to Nick Politis that morning. It was like. <laughs> It was like he lost a grand final. Yeah. So it's pretty devastating. I think, you know, I, the Roosters are slow starters, but I, I would have expected – and I know they had injuries before the game and during the game, and they, they've got issues with concussions, but you would have thought they'd perform a little bit better than that. I'm worried about them, to be honest. I, I think it's going to be – I think it's a tricky season for them. Mm, I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be all right. When, yeah, Roger, yeah, when think, Roger comes back. Yeah, but it's no coincidence <laughs> either that the teams who were well, represented over there in England. World Cup, yeah. World Cup. They may have a slower start. Hey, uh, Webby, just with uh, this man, Bennett, and, and he, the Dawn of the Dolphins, is a terrific doco, Stan, and he's so introverted. When you sort of out there interviewing coaches or you've been in behind the scenes, is he completely different to every coach? In other words, a lot of coaches can be very much control freaks. This bloke, he, he makes decisions quick. Which, which appears in the doco, and, and he seems to just have great trust in those around him. He puts more time in uh, making sure he nails the people around him, and then he just – he's almost a project manager. Is that is that how you see how it goes? Uh, I do. It's, it's, it's a big difference, Joel, compared to when he was at the Broncos when they didn't have any of that start, and he was a real control freak in those early days in 1988 at, yep. uh, at Brisbane. And him and him and John Rebo basically were putting the club together and they would butt heads because Wayne wanted to control everything. This time around, I think everyone's been really obsessed with um, the squad that he's put together. And if you actually want to look at that doco and, I, and, and in the conversations I've had with Bennett about this, he was more concerned about getting the right people in. Yes. So he's got, you know, the, probably the best sort of a, a, a coach coming uh through in Christian Wolf, he's got Nathan Fien as an assistant. He's got um, he's got Peter O'Sullivan as his uh, recruitment man. He's got Jeremy Hickman's who's one of the best SNCs in the game. So he's got all the right staff in there, and that's probably the best way to to um to build a club. Uh, I, I thought I thought it was no surprise that the best player on the field last Sunday was Felice Kafusi. Yeah, he was, was the first play- he was the first player that they signed, mm. and he you know made a point of showing why. Bennett signed him, um, but yeah, I, I I think he's just more worried about long term. Like the, the they just don't want the sugar hit of, of winning a stack of games in the first season. I'm sure they'll take it, but Bennett was always very big on just making sure they got the right people in first, uh, even more so ahead of who they signed. And you know, it's a it's a it's a smart strategy. It's worked and he, it's worked for him in the past.